1: Everybody. Welcome to episode 207 of 40 going on 14. I am Mike. I am Grant.
0: I'm Joel.
2: And I'm Josh. And I don't think it's fair that David Carradine can put on a full body gimp suit and a German black uh, World War I helmet and he's hailed a national hero. I do the same thing and I'm told, Josh, you're not allowed into my child's birthday party.
1: Well, you do bill yourself as a clown. I mean, I'm just saying.
2: I don't see the problem here. <laughs>
1: I got that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Let's look. Nazism. The reason I wasn't able to watch this, uh, uh, 2000, uh, death race, 2000 on the train.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: There's, there's a different th- time. Oh yeah. Uh, lots of, lots of reasons not to watch this movie in public, but that's okay. I felt dirty watching it in private too. Um, Hey, did you notice a new voice? I noticed a new voice. Who could that be? It's still not Patrick. <laughs>
0: And no, Patrick's not dead yet.
1: <laughs> no, he is not dead yet. He has gotten a new computer. He is currently in process of setting it up. But in the meantime, we have a one Grant. Grant, tell him who you are, man. Hey, yeah, I'm Grant. Um, I, uh, I'm a big podcast fan and I got
3: in touch with you guys a while ago for a show that I do uh, called podcast of the
1: day and you guys were the highlighted podcast and it was awesome. So thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Sure thing. You actually do this on a format called Anchor.fm, which is kind of cool. A little uh, podcasting uh, tool that you can podcast straight off your phone.
2: It's like a micro podcast, isn't it?
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. If you want to
3: check out more, it's just at Anchor.fm. But in the simplest of terms, it's basically like it, it's a great way to make a podcast, make um, micro podcasting, social audio, whatever you want to call it, just right from your phone. It's really cool. And there's a lot of... Um, community members on there already. It's it's really cool to interact with. So it's it's awesome. Yeah.
0: So it's like two brothers versus Coors Light.
3: Yes.
1: <laughs> I don't uh, I don't understand the reference, but uh, I'll just say yeah. Yeah, Grant's <laughs> not from Chicago, Joel. And oh. how do you know about two brothers? You just started drinking beer like two weeks ago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh. Well, you know, I I like I said, I haven't drank in a long time, but. Since I've started dating this girl, I've drank more in the past three months than I have in two years, but that's still not very much. That's like one beer every three weeks. So
1: I'm not sure if that's positive or negative, dude. I don't know if you want to be saying that out loud, man.
0: <laughs> I just did.
1: <laughs> nice.
2: Well, if you're drinking heavily, um, <laughs> the thing you would like is probably to listen to the excellent podcasts on the Podcast Collective. Including no hope for humanity, dating baggage, mint inbox cast, the Portland Beer Club podcast, and of course the Rad Dad Radio Hour. Yes,
1: and if you're uh, listening to, looking for something to listen to on Saturdays at noon, you can find us on Geek Life Radio, twelve noon on Saturdays. Just head over to Geek Life Radio online, and we will be not live streaming, but streaming. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for our older stuff, we're on <laughs> iTunes.
2: We will not be but streaming either.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh, I guarantee nothing. I'm butt streaming right now. It's
0: true. (laughs) I can see it on the webcam.
1: I don't own a webcam.
0: Then this is really weird.
1: I like it when you watch. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So our older stuff is on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, Noon FM, and a bunch of other podcast uh, things out on that space called the Internet. And if you're looking to get in touch with us, give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP at 708-669-9727.
2: Uh, we do have some listener feedback, but uh, you're going to have to tune in next week to hear it because I forgot to queue it up. My apologies to Brian, the wine guy. Huh. Oh, what's about wine? No, it's not about wine.
0: Oh, remember, Brian is the New York wine guy. That's his hand.
1: Oh, that's right. That's right. OK, so well, I guess it's about that time then, huh?
0: It is totally about that time.
1: Right on. This week in music, movies. And TV. And
0: sports. Left field sports lounge.
1: Uh, <laughs> I was just thinking about him the other day. That's why I brought that up. The oh, left field sports lounge, man. Whatever happened uh, to those guys? I know. We were their biggest fans. <laughs> we still are. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I haven't done fine. a show in a year and a half, but we're your biggest fan. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So the theme for this year is April 27th, 1975. Uh, that is the release of the first death race, 2000
0: and swastikas. All right. Music. The top songs in the land are he don't love you. Like I do by Tony Orlando and Don. Hey, won't you play another somebody done? Somebody's wrong song by BJ. Bur- <laughs> God, I can't talk by BJ Thomas <laughs> Uh, and the acronym of the week btntf
1: i think that's butts to not the front i think we lost them to be loose josh i'm hello hello oh,
2: that was Ac- a terrible time for my mic to crap out
1: <laughs> <laughs> i need closure that on that act acronym yeah
2: yeah that's that's butts to not the front
1: <laughs> they're there, putting there the butts back where they belong uh, that makes Nots. sense Butts to the front
0: <laughs> i thought you were just like pregnant pauses like you were dramatic
1: you're like uh know i i didn't know
2: what was going on until you said uh, oh we lost him because he's uh, like butts to not
1: i you thought know. i was shatnering yeah you went full shatner on that one you never go full shatner
0: <laughs> uh that's actually before the next teardrop falls by freddie fender
1: Guilty pleasure song. Hey, won't you play another somebody done somebody wrong song? I think is a lot of fun,
2: which Mike tried to sneak in as another acronym of the week. And since it's like 17 <laughs> letters, I deleted <laughs> it before Joel could read it.
1: <laughs>
0: Incidentally, BJ Thomas is also the guy that performed the growing pains theme song. What? Yes. Huh? Well, Not written by him.
1: I know somebody done somebody wrong. It's a good it's a good driving and singing music he says so and nobody agrees with him so he'll
0: <laughs>
2: i actually like that
0: song i was just li- leaving you hang
1: nice thanks man
0: <laughs> all right uh moving on april 27th tom snyder of the tomorrow show interviews john lennon this will be Le- john lennon's last televised interview
1: yes and it wasn't like recent it was like this and then five years later he was shot so yeah he oh, wow. stayed yeah he stayed out of the uh focus. For a good long time, this was like his like his last big, you know. Hey, this is what I'm going to say, and I'm going to disappear for a little while. And he went back and um, uh, emotionally and physically abused his family for a few years, and then got shot.
3: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Growing pains theme song by (laughs) T.J. Thomas and Jennifer Warrens. (laughs) I just looked it up to make sure I was correct, so Tommy the Duck doesn't you know bring the hammer down.
1: I like the Duck Hammer. <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh and finally, thank you for whoever just shoved this giant thing in my face. That's what she said. <laughs> oh boy. Pete Ham, musician and founder of the British rock band Badfinger, the first band signed to the Beatles Apple Records in 1968, was born in Swansea, Wales in 1947. He formed a local rock group called the Panther. Panthers? What are the Panthers? <laughs> Thank you. The Panthers <laughs> in 1961, which would undergo several name and lineup changes before becoming Badfinger after the release of their first worldwide top 10 hit, Come and Get It. His biggest hit was Without You, a worldwide number one hit, and later covered by Harry Nielsen in 1972. He went on to work with George Harrison, most notably on the guitar solo on Here Comes the Sun at the concert for Bangladesh. In 1972, Badfinger was picked up by Warner Brothers Records. Warner Brothers Records sued Badfinger's business manager Stan Polly after an advance vanished, and after Polly disappeared, the band were left penniless. Believing his finances had been wiped out, Ham hanged himself in his garage three days before his twenty-eighth birthday. Absorbed his note, uh, he left a note <laughs> telling his pregnant wife and her son that he loved them. It read, "I will not be allowed to love and trust everybody. This is better." Pete. P.S. Stan Polly is a soulless bastard. I will take him with me jesus christ
1: yeah he uh he died i forgot for the date and he died on the uh 26th i believe so
0: you can't miss that story though you can't not tell that story no you know?
1: i'm mean, like what that is a hell of a suicide note to leave Mm-mm. i mean the, and the guy i mean the panthers without you and all this and harry Nelson. I mean, the guy had a huge like career and then because this guy did this you know, ran off with our advance i mean three days before he was 28 so Man. crazy
0: that is fucked up absorbed too soon
1: yes
2: Stan polly lived until 2009 so i guess the you don't threaten to kill someone in your suicide note if you want them to (laughs)
1: i'm just saying no i'm just saying stan was like yeah i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna run
0: (laughs) away with more money
1: i'm a ghost (laughs) <laughs> All right, moving on to movies. The
2: top movie of the week is, believe it or not, Death Race 2000. This knocks shampoo the Warren Beatty nut rom-com about sexual mores in the 70s out of the number one spot, which was odd because it had been knocked out twice earlier by Tommy and Escape from Witch Mountain. Death Race 2000 would go on to make $4.9 million in this one weekend, eventually grossing $8 million in the U.S. of a $300,000 budget. It would also go on to make $270,000 in Sweden. So, I credit the Gimsuit.
1: I'm totally going with the Gimsuit on that one. Here's the thing. I, look, I was looking up the box office on this thing, and it was like th- the $8 million in the U.S., worldwide, $2. $270,000. Uh, and then I went at the bottom. It was like Sweden, $270,000. So I'm guessing it only played in the U.S. and Sweden and did great in Sweden. Huh. So That's weird. It is. It really is. Uh, it makes me question Sweden.
0: But i know we yeah,
1: were, all, right. know we're all thinking it as we were watching
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right on june 25th the movie cooley high is released the movie that would eventually go on to influence such other media as boys to men in the cooley high harmony album where they cover the song it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday and the movie boys in the hood uh, it was shot in Chicago, chronicling the final days of the two senior classmen, Leroy Preach Jackson, played by Glenn Turman, and Richard Cochise Morris, played by Lawrence Hilton Jacobs, in their last days of high school at Edwin G. Cooley Vocational High School. It did well at the box office, ranking in the top 30 highest grossing films of
1: 1975. Yep. And uh, from what I hear, it also had a fantastic uh, soundtrack, too. So, and
0: Yeah, I've never seen it,
1: but it's on the list.
0: You can't go wrong with Lauren Hilton Jacobs. Come on.
1: Well, here we go. Cooley High, Baby Love by The Supremes, which is actually the big, uh, huge one from it. Uh, My Girl from The Temptations, Fingertips from Stevie Wonder. Uh, I Can't Help Myself by The Four Tops, uh, otherwise known as Sugar Pie Honey Bunch. Um, just you, the best of best of Motown is in, this, is in this one. So including Two Pigs and a Hog by Freddie Perrin. I don't know that one. I didn't know who
2: Lawrence.
1: That's not. <laughs> I didn't know who Lawrence Hilton Jacobs was. Uh,
2: and then I realized, oh, uh, from Welcome Back, Cotter.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was Washington J. Washington. Yeah.
0: And most recently, he was featured in Rob Zombies 31.
1: Really? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Cool. Now, I'm just going to wait because there, uh, there is an age gap. Believe it or not, there's an age gap between us and <gasps> Grant. Yeah one that's so big you could put another lifetime into it (laughs) we could be
3: his
0: father
1: oh jesus um (laughs) yeah i mean yeah that's actually a possibility so yeah that's 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 why i'm not saying a ton because i don't really know a ton don't don't hesitate jump in whatever if you don't know i mean feel free to clarify i mean my question to you is have you ever seen an episode of welcome back cotter no i have not uh can i have a show of hands from the three of us who thinks he's completely missing out it doesn't
2: work so well on a podcast, but okay.
1: All right, cool. <laughs> um,
2: John- well, yeah, ar- if it makes you feel any better, uh, the original Death Race 2000 was before I was born too. Just only one year, rather than
1: many don't, years. Yeah, okay. don't don't make him say that number out loud. <laughs> well,
0: I was going to ask if he knows what Welcome Back, Connor is. Maybe that's a better question.
1: I also know. Oh my god, that's what I was
0: afraid of. You were saying, Mike, though, John Travolta.
1: Uh, John Travolta in his early years. It was his first. Uh, he was actually on this bef- way before everything else. It was a, it was a sitcom, uh, where he played a high school uh, just a kid in high school. Uh, what was uh, Vinnie Barbarino?
2: Yeah, it was basically a, about a, a high school with like troubled low-income kids in New York. If I uh, was it New York?
0: Yeah, I yeah. believe so. Yeah, Gabe yeah. Kaplan was the teacher. Yeah, yeah, Gabe That's Kaplan. For- you get the Horseshack laugh. Uh, uh. You've got the hey, get over here. You know, the John Travolta thing at the time. No,
1: <laughs> that's yeah. That's not, not, it, I'm saying look it up. It's 70s humor, but it's like in, influential to a lot of comedians from this point on. And Gabe Kaplan was actually hilarious. Gotcha.
3: So I it to the list.
1: All right. So April 21st and TV sees the release of the blankety blanks on ABC's daytime lineup. A game show that uses the celebrity contestant style of play, where a team is tasked with answering questions in the form of puns. and the example, one of the questions would be: When Richard Nixon spilled coffee on Gerald Ford's lap, he said blank blank. Joel, you uh,
0: let's see. He said, "You're impeached."
1: Now he 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 would say, "Pardon me." See, you get that because Richard Nixon would want to be pardoned. Oh, yeah, pardon. So so yeah. Um, so this laugh a minute show replaced <laughs> reruns of the Brady Bunch. It then lasted 50 episodes being shown every day. Not really that long. And then was replaced with <laughs> reruns of the Brady Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like the, the programmers like, yeah, that didn't work. Let's just go back to what we know. And then it was a story. <laughs>
0: And I've never heard of that show, so apparently it's it's been burned at some point, never to oh, be seen again.
1: I I looked up some <laughs> videos of it, and it is it is terrible. It really is. I mean, Joel, it's it's like puns that are even below you.
0: Whoa!
1: Yeah, I know, right? That's bad. I know. So a uh, one Johnny Galecki is born on April thirtieth, starting his career as David Healy on Roseanne. He went on to appear in many feature films, such as National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Prancer, and Suicide Kings. He is now known as Dr. Leonard Hofstadter in the CBS sitcom The Big Bang Theory since 2007.
0: And can we just say that Suicide Kings is a very underrated film?
1: I have not seen it. Josh? Um,
0: The Big Bang Theory is a very overrated show.
1: (laughs) I can say that because Pat's
2: not on to argue with me about it.
1: I am with Josh on this one because... It's like, let's. Well, I think you said it before. Let's take everything that's wrong with the geek community and make it make a sitcom about it.
2: Well, <laughs> sitcoms have punchlines. The only
1: punchline in the Big Bang Theory is look, nerds
2: think they're people.
1: <laughs> and do you, do you get the, uh, hey, you're into gaming? You must like Big Bang Theory. Oh, yeah, all the time. And my response is usually, fuck you. Um, <laughs> no. All right, Grant, this is your big time sports. Awesome.
3: Yes, uh, the golf legend Jack Nicklaus wins his fifth Golf Masters in April of 1975. He would later break his own record 11 years later. His stroke of victory would be a 40-foot putt to put him over challengers Tom Weisskopf and Johnny Miller. In 75, Nicklaus had six wins, 12 top five finishes, and 16 top 10 finishes in 18 official
1: worldwide events. So uh, he's, he's pretty good. Oh, yeah, Niklaus... I- I I was trying to figure out like well how long a forty foot putt would be, and it's insane. Uh, yeah, two of you guys have been in my living room. That's twice the height of my living room. Oh okay, yeah, that's
2: that's a distance I can understand because you've got a pretty tall living room. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah it's. And, I mean, forty feet and he forty foot putt. I mean, I can't, I can't start walking forty feet and <laughs> be in the right the the spot I expected to be in when I started walking forty feet ago.
0: That may be because you were drunk.
1: I. Oh. I just said maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that was implied.
0: <laughs> <laughs> By the way, thank you for the uh, cricket that you're throwing at Grant.
1: Nice. He's got everyone's got to have some cricket. Unfortunately, I couldn't find anybody with a really convoluted name. Damn. But, <laughs> but he does have to explain at least one cricket turn before we're done. No, ah, that's right.
2: No one's that's ever right. done that. <laughs>
1: Okay.
3: So, Jason Neil Gillespie, born on April 19th, 1975. He was a former Australian cricketer who played all three formats of the game, primarily a right arm fast bowler, but he was also a competent lower order batsman with a test double century and unbeaten 201. Gillespie made his test debut against the West Indies at Sydney in 1996 and his one day international debut against Sri Lanka at Colombo in the Singer World Series in 1996. Now, I don't know what any of that means, but it does sound really good. At least with the Nicholas, I, I I knew I know golf. I played golf, but yeah, I don't know a thing about cricket. But it what's
2: interesting good. is we've we still don't really understand cricket. Nope. But there is a brand new cricket fact in here because I thought there were only two formats of the game. I knew about Test and I knew about One Day International. I don't know what the third format is. So hopefully. Oh, we will get uh, one of our... Either we'll get Wilba or Nikki from New Zealand to uh, call in and tell us what the third format is because I've been sort of paying attention and trying to puzzle this stuff out for two and a half, three years now, ever since we started adding Cricket Facts, and I knew about two of the three formats. What's the third?
1: I have no idea. I will say that I have started, just to see what, what happens during the games, I've actually started watching streaming Cricket on YouTube. And it's... It's weird because it's like they've instead of a bat they've got that paddle, mm-hmm. the, the cricket bat, so they can like direct their hits. So I watched one, um, I watched one thing on there about cricket where a guy, the best I can figure is he ca- he catches this the batter out. Now here's here's the thing about cricket, Grant, is that we also discovered is that you can aim at the batter and it's completely legal. What? <laughs> Yeah, and the ba- and the ball that they use is not like a, a baseball where it's all sort of wound string. It's almost made out of rock. It's like a okay, violin. that that's different. Yeah, that's odd. Yeah. Super yeah. hard rubber. Yeah. So, this one guy, he bats it off and he gets caught out. And that's about as much as I can uh, draw parallels to it, but the guy who caught him out then comes up and pretends to write a check in his face and tears the check off and um <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I recognized it as soon as I said it. Nuclear wessels. <laughs> Thank oh. you. He, he then, the batter, the next 11 times up, directly aims the ball at this fielder and completely blows him out every time nice so there's all these it's little things. <laughs> isn't isn't I mean it's awful and it's great at the same time it's like all right hey you showed me up in this I am going to deliberately hit the ball at you for the next 11 times and just show people that I'm better than you I must yeah. break you yeah it's and
2: there's <laughs> a lot of, it's petty and it's violent which is exactly my approach to sports
1: exactly
0: and dating was at one point oh well, yes
1: <laughs> I don't know
0: where that was coming from
1: <laughs> all right so Uh, keyboard Joel on that (laughs) domestic abuse. Let's take us out.
0: (laughs) All
1: right. So on to the main show. Uh, So here's here's the deal is that we were in September. The actual idea was that everybody was going to get a week off. I would get a week off and have a substitute. Josh would get a week off and have a substitute. Uh, And then Patrick kind of screwed the whole thing over by living in the middle of a hurricane and having his computer explode. Um, not related not related no so here's the thing josh thought he was playing went over on us and was like hey you guys gotta watch death race 2000 in 2050
2: yeah we've been kicking this movie around for a show topic for two years mm-hmm. yeah that blew up in my face
1: yeah so he was all ready to take his week off and so, here i am yeah <laughs> So here we go. In a dystopian future, a cross-country automobile race requires contestants to run down innocent pedestrians to gain points that are tallied based on each kill's brutality.
0: Now, quick note to uh, each of you on the show and then those listening. How many of you realize that that came from this film? Because didn't you, when you were first driving or when we were in college or even if you were in high school and driving with your friends, you're like, oh, it's an old person, 10 points or whatever.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, I completely knew that. Yeah, and
2: I was familiar with it because while I'd never seen the film before today actually, um the uh video game in the arcade is something I'd played. There was a video game? Oh yeah. Death Race 2000 was an early arcade game.
1: Yep. Oh, wow. I didn't realize yeah. that. <clears throat> yeah, so yeah, it's there's 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 a lot of like cultural <laughs> fantastic a lot of cultural type stuff that uh came from this one so this was actually directed by a one paul Bartel, who is known for his acting career but has also directed such classics as eating raul where uh, a couple of people who live in an apartment decide that eating their uh landlord is the right way to go about things uh lust in the dust which i don't know <laughs> If anybody, either of you have seen this, but this star, Divine, uh, who, if you're not sure, if you don't know who Divine is, that's a uh, obese crossdresser.
2: Yeah, yeah, one of the world's first great drag queen performers.
1: Yeah. So playing Rosie Velez in that one. Um, and that one actually had Cesar Romero in it, too. So that was kind of crazy. Um, but Paul Bartel, for his acting, he is a huge character actor um he was a smuggler and the usual suspects he was a congressman in escape from la which he also had something to do with i'm trying to think some other stuff that you would really recognize him in um god what is there was I'm, i'm sorry i'm looking oh he was in clueless the tv series as principal layman but he was very much the uh pretentious character actor you know, almost like almost like the uh, the way the um, Mater D from The Simpsons. Hello,
0: oh, the bald guy with the beard. Okay,
1: yes, bald guy. Yeah, bald guy with the beard is the best way to describe him. He was the theater manager in Gremlins too.
0: Yeah, if you look him up, you'll go. Oh, that guy.
1: Yeah, and he was also. As I hate to say, this is the movie that I've seen, but he was also played the director in a movie called Pucker Up and Bark Like a Dog. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah so um, but he you know, a uh, great character actor directed some great movies in quotes, great movies. uh writing credits, Robert Tom uh did the screenplay for this one. uh he was also credited with such other movies as Bloody Mama. <laughs> and I love saying this stuff. <laughs> Bloody Mama. He he did a bunch of TV series episodes of The Defenders, which we need to do a show on that for some reason or another, and then something called The Rise and Fall of Eddie Carew uh, and one episode of Craft Suspense Theater. <laughs> that is I'm Kraft. not familiar with any of that. Craft Suspense Theater, which is it is like the cheese. Will it melt?
0: Will it not melt? <laughs>
1: uh charles b griffith was also the one of the writers in this one notably wrote little shop of horrors the 1960s version nice yeah so uh grant have you seen little shop of horrors the one with harold Ramis? i no no i haven't okay (laughs) the original one had jack nicholson in it okay gotcha yeah it's about a giant plant that eats people
2: yeah and the uh remake was amazing great
1: oh it, it is it's fantastic Uh, the, the story itself was written by Ib Melkor. Uh, he was a short story, science fiction writer of the time. Unfortunately, this one in the book itself, there were not a lot of parallels. It just kind of took the theme of the death race. There was no, in the original story, there was no Frankenstein. There were no other racers. It was all based off of one racer and one mechanic, uh, in this race. So it's kind of like, um, uh, the Schwarzenegger movie with the game show.
2: You know, I was going to get the into that man? once we started talking about... Because there's clear influences on everything from The Running Man to Hunger Games. Oh, uh, yeah.
1: They they owe quite a bit to Death Race. They really do. Uh, this guy also was a writer on such classics as Planet of the Vampires from 1965 and The Time Travelers from 1964. So, I mean, we're talking a lot of... Oh, and the original story of Godzilla Raids Again in 1955. So... I mean, this is a lot of old school writers, old school directors, and that sort of thing jumping in on this. So it's it's got its charm. Yeah, let's jump into the cast. So we have a one David Carradine playing the driver Frankenstein, Simone Griffith as Annie Smith, Sylvester Stallone. Well, let, let's not just run past them, though. Okay. All right.
2: <laughs> of course, David Carradine is probably best known for Kung Fu. Correct. But, uh, more recently, of course, he's in Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was surprised to find that Simone Griffith uh, is still working. Like she's still putting out uh,
1: stuff today. Yeah. So is Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> yeah.
0: So is David. Oh, never mind.
1: Aw. now you made it bad. No. so yeah. So, um, yeah, Simone Griffith is still uh, putting things out. Most recently, she has a 2017 movie short called Catch and Kill. Um, there's still, I mean, she's still working, and that's fantastic, man. I mean, she's had about a movie a year, two or three a year since then. So good on her, I guess. Yeah.
2: Wait till, wait till we get all the way down to Martin Cove. I was surprised.
1: (laughs) Now, Sylvester Stallone played machine gun Joe Viterbo in this one. And, uh, after we did the Rocky show, I can't understand how he went broke between this and Rocky because I, you know, I I can't see why he wasn't a star after this.
2: Yeah, I, honestly, th- we are have already done a Stallone show, and somehow, when prepping for that show, I missed this. Like, I missed that it was even on his cal- catalog.
0: Yeah, I did too.
1: Yeah, and it's and he he wasn't bad in it. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty good. Um, so Mary. W- all right, everyone get your icons off that name. Warnoff. Warnoff. Uh plays Calamity Jane. Uh she is actually is in a uh movie in th- set for two thousand eighteen called Citizens and came out in short in two thousand sixteen called A Flock of Birds. So she's still working, so good on yeah. her.
2: She was one of the leads in
1: eating Raul. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. She followed them along. And uh, she's
0: had a huge career. I mean, just she's been consistently working since she started acting. So
1: correct. Yeah. Uh Roberta Collins um I'm I'm not sure what's going on with the photo in her IMDb profile cuz uh, she... no, no. <laughs> it's, it's not her. Yeah, it's it's definitely, definitely not her. her. Because... The description of her as brassy and beautiful blonde Roberta Collins was a terrific dynamic scene-stealing delight who greatly enlivened a bunch of choice down and dirty 70s drive and exploitation picture with her earthy good humor, balanced vitality, acting, da 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 and sex appeal. And then apparently somebody put a picture of my father in there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was like the exploitation. I love the phrase drive-through exploitation film because that was her wheelhouse.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, she, she was in such, I mean, the big dollhouse. Caged uh, heat. Like
2: one of the big, big scream queen exploitation flicks.
1: Mm-hmm. And to follow up with women in cages in the whole cage genre.
0: And she's really cute, too. Yeah. She made me wonder if, you know, Nazism wasn't that bad.
2: <laughs> That's all text, Angel.
1: No, no, actually, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> dude, she was in hard bodies and hard bodies, too.
0: Electric Boogaloo?
1: Yes. Where
0: they have to get their bodies hard to save the community center?
1: <laughs> I'll give that a laugh. <laughs> Dude, I've got the weirdest boner right now. Um, I can see it. We need, a, we need to do a teen sex comedy show. Do we? Do we really? <laughs> <laughs> that used to, okay, Grant, that used to be a thing. Like every summer there'd be like hard bodies, porkies, revenge of the nerds. I mean, Hot dog the movie, hamburger the movie. Oh my God, yeah. I'm waiting for the teen sex tragedy to start up. (laughs) (laughs) They called that Twilight. Yeah. Uh, Martin Cove is Nero the hero. Oh my
2: goodness, Martin Cove. I mean, sweep the leg, Johnny between playing crease and then playing uh Erickson and Rambo First Blood Part 2. Like th- this is where I remember this guy from and then I opened up his IMDb and he's got 214 credits including like 16 from this year.
1: Oh my Jesus. god.
0: That's crazy.
1: Yeah, Damn. I, I assumed
2: this guy stopped working in like
0: 1986. Nope. And I was so wrong. He's never stopped working just like Mary Warnoff.
1: I don't know what two lava two lanchula is, but I need to see that.
0: (laughs) You need to see you need to see first, though, because
1: otherwise you won't
2: understand. The the whole context will be ruined. Seriously, though, it's
0: it's Sharknado. It's another it's another in the Asylums category. Uh, It's it's basically it's a sister movie to Sharknado. Actually, Finn Shepard, um, Ian Ziering's character makes an appearance in uh, Lavalantula and vice versa and if you ever want to see a police academy reunion film this is probably your best shot because half of the police academy film is in lavalanchella no joke
1: joel never change <laughs> it's a yeah, great you're the too. only person i know who could
2: maintain <laughs> that many sentences completely seriously about It
0: it was a lot of fun and i haven't seen the sequel yet but i have it on my hard drive to watch at some point
1: now it please tell me this movie is about a giant tarantula made of lava
0: uh, it's actually a bunch, it's about a bunch of tarantulas that come out of lava, but they, but they are infused with like the heat and the lava so that they can't be killed very easily. So like they can burn holes and things and they're like super hot. And so they're kind of like lava spiders.
2: Well, we can only hope that Martin Cove is there to tell Johnny to sweep the leg. <laughs> I'm sure that'll be in there somewhere.
1: You know what I've started doing? my, my, You guys know, Sophie has started playing volleyball and I've started shouting out random movie quotes to her for instead of cheering because I'm not really big into the whole. "yay" just yelling like one sound. So I've started doing that, like, like screaming, may the force be with you in the last game that I was at with her. I screamed, sweep the leg, Johnny, and completely disrupted everybody in the stands. That's funny. <laughs> what it happened? Was thin- I mean, it was like it was like the coach who, like the line coach who was out there. She stopped and like completely turned and looked at me and missed a call because she was like, "What the hell? Really, you're calling out Karate Kid quotes to your kid on you know playing volleyball?" And I'm like, "Yeah, cool. You you missed the ball landing. You should probably do your job." <laughs> <laughs> All right. So moving on, we have a Louisa Mortz as Myra.
2: And I recognized her. If I recall, she was the prostitute in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest.
1: Yes, she was. She was Rose. Um, She has 44 credits to her name and uh, has been. the last movie was in 2000. So still kicking it. Uh, Still.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, looking at her credits, I think she was kind of typecast because she played a character called Chi Chi, Bubbles, Whore, Sunshine. I mean, I think she was a little bit typecast.
1: I don't think whore was the name.
0: That's what it says.
1: <laughs> All right, we'll just we'll just run with that. <laughs> uh also we have Don Steele as Junior Bruce and in the credits as the real Don Steele. Well, yeah, I mean this this
2: guy is the voice of radio in eighties movies for a long time. He was rocking Ricky Rialto in Gremlins.
1: Yes. It took that me a while, while to recognize his recognize his voice. But uh when I uh did see it, it was I did notice he was also played Curly Q Brown. Okay. Ready for this, Grant? He played Curly Q Brown in Grand Theft Auto, the movie. That oh man. Okay. All right. So that was written, directed, and starring Ron Howard.
0: I know what you're talking about. I haven't seen it, but I know what you're talking I about. I have
1: nothing to say to that. <laughs> I know. As do it, I, <laughs> Ron Howard. Um, are you <laughs> familiar? I ha- I hate keep keeping doing this to you, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a very old film. I mean, yeah, like, it's seventies. Yeah.
2: Uh, oh, he, I took a look at it. I was afraid it was an adaptation of the video game. No, it's
1: yeah, an,
3: no, that's what I thought. That's what I
1: thought. Yeah, no, no, no. He was he he he's known for playing uh, Tom Kalanick in Osmosis Jones, nineteen
3: seventy-seven.
1: No, he's not. He's known for playing Richie Cunningham on uh, Happy Days. but uh,
0: oh,
2: And right now he's better known as an award-winning director.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Saving Private Ryan. That's one of the movies you may have known him to do.
2: Hey, I've, that's a movie I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> a Beautiful Mind, Parenthood. Okay. Yeah. Big director. And I think he took over the new uh, standalone uh, the Star Wars
0: Yes,
1: he's currently
0: filming
2: the The Han Solo uh, film.
1: Yes. Oh. Which, which I am really excited for. Grant you were saying? Or not? It was Grant. I don't think we lost him. I don't know. Uh this also starred Joyce Jameson as Grace Pander, who was the um the news the news girl in this one.
2: Uh, oh, that's who that was.
1: Yeah, she was the one uh Grace Pander, who was a dear friend of mine. <laughs> oh, Yep, she was in the movie The Apartment, starring Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine and Fred McMurray. And also uh, in Outlaw Josie Wales, she played Rose. Oh, okay. Yeah, so good stuff. Uh, uh, Carly Benson and Sandy McCollum as Harold and Mr. President. Uh, Sandy McCollum is known for... <laughs> this is, This is what I love about this one. He's known for Mr. President in Death Race 2000. And is also known as playing King David and Samuel in animated, animated stories of the Bible.
2: Oh, yeah. The rest of his catalog is voice acting for Bible cartoons.
1: That's fantastic. What a great roster. Well, I think it's like he did this and he's like, shit, I got to reevaluate. <laughs> this
3: motherfucker needs Jesus. Totally pivoted to just
1: animated Bible. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, but he never played horror. You were doing so well. He should have. <laughs> All right. So (laughs) trivia. both Sylvester Stallone and David Carradine did much of their own driving. In addition, producer Roger Corman drove in scenes that were shot in public streets. Since the custom built cars used in the movie, believe it or not, were not street legal. And the stunt drivers were like, I'm not driving that thing around because I don't want to get caught by the police because they didn't apparently know about getting like permits and permission. I don't think they cared.
2: Yeah, I, which, they probably didn't have the budget for
1: that. Yeah. Oh, and which which is completely Roger Corman to me. Yes. I mean, that is like, hey, we're going to film it right here. <laughs> right now. Get in the car. Um, the role of Frankenstein was originally offered to Peter Fonda. I could see that. Yeah, yeah I could actually see that. Yeah. Who considered the movie too ridiculous for words. But then <laughs> later on, he was in Escape from L.A. <laughs> He's
2: not wrong.
1: He is not wrong, but then how do you go from that to all the other things? I mean, he's not exactly known as a shining light in the Fonda family. True. I mean, in Escape from L.A., he literally surfs down a lava flow.
0: Yeah, it's it's not a shining moment.
1: Yeah, in the, in the middle of uh, Los Angeles. With a uh, very, um, that also features a very
0: heavily makeuped Bruce Campbell.
1: True. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, a moment for our St. Surgeon. Yeah. yeah. For our St. Bruce Campbell. Mm. Yes. Do we do Bruce Campbell show? Yes. Mm-hmm. We should do another. We should do another one.
0: <laughs> Bruce Campbell, too.
1: Yes. Um, Mer- Mary Warren, r- 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 r, who plays Calamity Jane, was cast so well that they didn't realize that she didn't know how to drive a car. So a stunt driver did the actual driving for her in the movie, and for close-ups, Warren Rennarov sat in a car, towed behind a truck, with a camera crew riding in it.
3: Was, was, was that a spent- common thing? To not know how to drive? Back then? Oh, uh, yeah.
2: Especially yeah. if you spend all your time in cages. <laughs> <laughs> or you're famous.
1: Okay. Mm. Yeah, believe it or not, my, well, I mean, this, this is like the last of a generation, but my grandmother uh, passed away. She had never driven.
3: That's unfortunate. I find that so interesting. I, I thought it was like a, a, a common thing, even back then, to just yeah, know how to drive. You know, and that's the so common place like, today.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, it's everybody has a driver's license. I mean, she just never, you know, she wanted to go somewhere. She'd get my grandfather and be like, "Hey, I got to go somewhere." And he, they get in the car and drive off. So
2: yeah, my mom didn't learn until I was old enough to remember her taking driving lessons.
1: Wow! Wow! Yeah, kind of crazy. Uh, so the most of the time the cars did not run. So they had to be pushed down hills in order to get them to move. Uh, (laughs) Isn't that awesome? Moreover, the camera used to film the cars were under cranked in order to perpetuate the illusion that they were moving faster than they actually were.
0: (laughs) That I'm not surprised. You could tell. You could
1: definitely tell. Yeah. And that was actually a thing. I mean, it was instead of risking the lives of people driving and that sort of thing. And they actually would do this a lot. And for, uh, slapstick movies in fact I, I remember um arsenic and old lace they would do it underclock the um the cameras for like when cary grant was doing his slapstick and like a fall over a couch and that sort of thing so he can fall slowly and not hurt himself but then would speed up on the film and so it looked like it was funny
2: it's one of the reasons why the late 60s uh action movies with steve mcqueen look so great even today is because there is no undercranking. dude was just insane <laughs> and just drove uh, the cars at full speed.
1: I, I think you mean completely fucking badass is what Thank you mean. Thank you, Mike. Thank is you.
2: there a difference?
1: Not energy at energy. all. Yeah. Potato, potato. Badass. <laughs> completely insane. Um. Oh, oh God. No. I wish we could do a Steve McQueen show, but we don't have anything for the now. No kidding. I know, right? Screw that. We'll just do it all then. All Steve McQueen. <laughs> all right. That. So here's a question. How many of this, how many of us had, was this the first watching of the movie? I'm definitely guessing. the first for me. I'm
2: going
0: to say all of
1: us. Cause it's the first time I've seen it.
2: Really? I was dragging my feet on this until a few hours ago.
1: You said dragon. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is not the first time I've seen this. <gasps> what? Yeah. I used I... to work at a video store. I picked this up a while ago. I mean, this is death race 2000. It was completely up my alley on this one. I've seen this one before. Um, but, uh, wow. I'm, I'm really curious for the, uh, the young in our group for today. <laughs> so Grant, what did you think of this 1975 classic? So, I mean, we were, we were talking about this a little bit. Um,
3: I didn't know what to expect going into it. I definitely looked it up and saw that it was like a cult classic. So I, I was kind of curious as to what it was about. Um, so I started it up and I was sort of half watching it cause I was doing something else. Um, but towards the, towards like the, the beginning, middle, I mean, once I got going and I, I paid more attention than I was supposed to be doing, but it was, uh, I liked it a lot. I'm, I'm surprised at how much I liked it. It's so like, I, I, this is, I think it's my first time watching one of those, I, what were you calling them? The drive through, uh, exploitation films or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is, like, my first viewing of any of that. And uh, I think I just found, like, my new addiction or something. Because this is, yeah, I loved it. I
0: legitimately was not expecting to say that.
3: I It just was, like, the, the beyond anything I thought I
1: would have watched. <laughs> See, and this is one of those things, like, if you were... Well, God, I can't believe I almost said this. <laughs> if you were no, walking, If you were walking around a video store and you saw this pop up... <laughs>
3: Hey, to be fair, I I went to Blockbuster back in the day. Okay,
1: you know? yeah. Hey, no, no, no. I know, and it wasn't that long ago. It really was not that long ago. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I would have put this on if I would have put this on back then. And the second the hand drawn titles would have popped up, <laughs> I would have been like, "What the hell?" Um, that I think honestly was part of the charm of this movie. Yeah. I mean, they made it for $60,000, 600000 That's like, that's less than an actor is paid to be in a movie nowadays by a huge margin. I think what most surprised me was
3: to see, oh, that's Sylvester Stallone. I, I think that was probably the, the thing that caught me most off guard. <laughs> and he was pretty good. that he, he was, and that, that surprised me too. It was like he, he actually had a good performance in it, or at least I thought.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is I, I was not looking forward to seeing this, but I, was, I had my eyes glued to the screen pretty much for the entire thing. And uh, I, I was shocked at how much of an influence it had on the post-apocalyptic game show, which is almost its own genre. If you take it all the way up to the Hunger Games, you can see clear influence that's from this yeah. straight to the Hunger Games. Definitely. And uh, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed this. It's campy. Uh, Some of the acting is a little uneven. Some of the fight choreography is questionable, but it it somehow works despite these broad stereotypes coming together for a pretty ham-fisted political satire meets a racing film. Uh, When I was texting my wife, when I was watching it, I I was like, this is crazy. This is like the late seventies, early eighties cartoon, wacky racers meets hunger games.
0: (laughs) Well, it's give credit where credit is due. Roger Corman is the master of taking a small budget and turning it into something that makes a profit. and that's why he's the, has the lifestyle he has today is because he's got a knack for doing just that. And whether the movie's garbage or not doesn't matter. As long as it's entertaining and it moves forward, it makes money. And that's that's his niche. that's what he does. That's what made him famous.
1: Right. And, and here's part of the thing is that like when David Carradine agreed to do this, it, he had just finished up Kung Fu and everybody was saying to him, you've just gotten out of TV. If you don't do a movie now, everyone's going to forget you. And he, he jumped into this one because in his in, I think his quote was, this is going to make everybody forget about the little Chinese guy that I was playing in Kung Fu. And then they wrapped him in leather and. I have to give respect to the I, the effect of him wearing the mask and when he pulled it off and had the David Carradine face.
2: Yeah, that's the thing is he's not an uh, traditionally what you'd call an attractive dude, but he looked so disfigured with the mask on that they actually, by comparison, almost turned him into a sex symbol.
1: Almost. And David Carradine and bl- I wasn't going to say tighty whiteies, but it's like <laughs> blacky. Wh- I Okay, I'm done with that. I don't. I don't know where to take this. Yeah, good
2: call. Good call. Stopping right there. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: well I, oh, oh I was going to say, and it really did carry him out because after, let's say, Kung Fu, um, the uh, the TV show was that his first. God, I think it was. I think that was his first thing. Was Kung Fu? Oh no, he was in Shane, the TV series. He was. He had a lot of like young stuff, but he finished. Come back, Shane. But he was in Kung Fu. He finished it up in 75. Did Death Race 2000. Has done things ranging from uh, Death Race 2000 to this movie Circle of Orange. He's done voices for Danny Phantom now. Uh, He was in North and the South. Uh, He was, like I said, he was in um, uh, the ah, Kill Bill and he has a movie, The American Connection, which is just completed for 2017. So, I mean, he he has not slowed down at all. Even dying in 2009 has
2: not slowed him down.
0: <laughs> Funny how that works. But you're right. Yeah, he's um,
2: he's had more movies since he died than a lot of other actors have had across uh, a whole career. Uh,
1: seriously, six. Okay, dies in 2009. 2010, Six Days in Paradise, then Money to Burn, Detention, where he plays Principal Hoskins. What the hell? True legend, Anthony. Then he was in he, Dino Croc versus Super Gator, <laughs> something called Kill Bill, The Whole Bloody Affair in 2011. Highway to Hell, he played the spirit guide. It was music, a video. And then 2000, he, this year, he's in a movie and he's been dead. Yeah, coming up <laughs> on a decade now. So good on him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, couple- honestly, my introduction
2: to David Carradine was Kung Fu. The Legend Continues.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. So
2: like those 87 episodes, I think I watched probably 80 of them.
0: A uh, couple of quick fun Roger Corman facts. Number one, he has produced 411 films. 411.
2: That's a lot.
0: <laughs> There's a great documentary I saw on him a few years back called Corman's World. Exploits of a Hollywood Rebel.
1: That's almost Um, as many podcasts as you have. (laughs)
0: uh, Maybe. Um, Which I highly recommend. And I just checked his net worth because I was curious since we were talking about him. He's currently estimated at $40 million, which is not as much as I was expecting,
1: but it's still a lot. I think I got 40 bucks in my wallet right now. I got a dollar and
0: change in my car. I don't want to talk about my net worth. It's not good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Roger Corman, an inspiration to us all. Is something that I never expected <laughs> to say today.
0: <laughs> At least we're getting his name right this time. Roger? No, remember last week on the show, I was like, I, I had no. the wrong Harvey Yeah, Korman, you called
1: him Harvey called Corman. Harvey Corman, Harvey Korman, that's right.
0: <laughs> Which would have made more sense with the.
1: Anyway. Except Harvey Corman was never on Benny Hill. No,
0: but he, never mind.
1: But I do have to say that a lot of the action sequences in this would have been made better if the Benny Hill music had been played.
0: Yep, I stole that from you, because you messaged that while you are watching it, and I was watching it, and I agreed with you. I totally yeah. agree with you.
1: Now, here's the thing. You know, 1970s movies didn't, as we've said it before in, in the show, the 70s pacing, and where yeah. it's introduced the characters, long shots of them driving around the city or whatever. This one completely did not have 70s pacing, I don't think. I mean, it was action and then go. I would say I agree with that.
0: Yeah. Very kinetic filmmaking.
1: Mm -hmm. And I guess, yeah, I
3: would say from like an outsider's standpoint, it didn't really seem too outdated except for everything else (laughs) besides the (laughs) pacing. Well, Well, and that's we live in the era of quick cuts. So when you see
2: something from the 70s, you're it's a shock. Because the they have all these long, long shots, and seeing this, this is closer filmmaking wise to what we're used to.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, try watching like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Armageddon, and um, yeah.
1: Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't understand how you picked those two movies.
0: Well, Armageddon is notorious for having. Uh, they, I think there's a. I don't know if it's hundred percent true, but it's in the gra- film
1: Graham Cracker Animals.
0: No, there's never a scene that's longer than two seconds before there's a cut. So every huh. two seconds, there's a cut in the film. Um, that sounds like a drinking game to me. And I just picked one for those cuckoo's nests we were talking about it earlier because of okay. the uh, actress. But anyway, you know, I for not having ever seen this, I didn't know what to expect, honestly. I was expecting more of a straight-up exploitation, like blood and guts action kind of thing. I was not expecting it to be a political satire or anything comedic. And I got to say, it was a little bit of a shock at first, because I was like, what the hell is this? What's going on? (laughs) I was very confused. Um, And also, another parallel that I noticed was um, it reminded me of Starship Troopers in terms of the, the satire. Oh, yeah, completely. Yeah, I get that. Very much so. And that I can't say that I loved it, but I enjoyed it. And like you guys had all said, I couldn't stop watching it. Like, yeah. as soon as I had started, I was glued.
2: Yeah, I mean, this story has been told multiple times. This sort of in-your-face satire using the violent game show as a metaphor. We've seen it, and it's been done over, and it's done better. But here, I think, is where it was done first. So i got to give it major props for that.
1: And, and he did it first, and he did it well. Because so many times we'll watch a theme or we'll watch a concept of a movie, and it'll be like, "Yeah, this was great, but it finally got refined in you know ten years later or twenty years later when so and so redid the theme. this one, while it is kind of ham handed in some of it, is really kind of straightened to the point i mean if despite the Roger Cormanness of it the entire thing. It's it's got the story. You have Frankenstein. You've got the driver. You've got the rebellion. I mean, it's it's a great little story, unfortunately, wrapped around the effects and abilities of 2000. I mean, 1975.
0: Well, but even though it's it may be a little ham fisted, you're never bludgeoned with the message. It's it's hidden underneath. It's like, you know, they talk about a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down or you're covering broccoli and cheese. So your kids will eat it. They, he basically took something that was kind of an important message and, and sugar coated it. So
1: everybody could watch it. No, I yeah. want broccoli and cheese.
2: I was <laughs> actually just looking to, to back up my claim. And I'm pretty sure this was first because the only thing that's even remotely similar to this is sort of the, uh, great the man is the greatest game trope. And that's not really a game show. But after that, like in 1970, there was a TV film. We already talked about the Running Man. Forgot to mention Battle Royale, the Japanese classic, oh very much God. like this. Uh, Thirteen Game of Death, also pretty similar. 2009 movie called The Tournament, and of course, oh, that's ep- great. The episode of Black Mirror called White Bear it was, I think, it was the uh, season series one finale,
0: and a Yancey Butler film called Hard Target. Um, if you <laughs> if you've never seen uh, the Tournament. I highly recommend it,
2: very I have good. not, but I, I think I'm gonna add it just so I'll have seen all of these on the list. It's
1: very good, and
0: it's it's
2: so what do
1: us. you think sorry, good well, I was gonna say, Grant, what do you think about this whole like anti i mean the best way to describe it is like anti establishment anti government type theme that they've got on this sort of on this movie,
3: yeah, I mean. I guess I can say it's different from... Because a lot of the movies that I've seen nowadays are really... They, they follow the same tropes, it seems like. Um, and to see it done subtly like this was cool. I really thought the uh, the ending or the resolution or whatever you want to call it was not very satisfying. I, I was like, really, that's that's how this ends? Um, I don't know. Did you did you feel the same way? Or was, was it better for you guys?
2: Well, I don't I thought, know. I thought there were... Uh reinforcing the theme of America loves this guy because he's their sports hero and he's a violent murderer. They love him so much that they put him in charge. Right. right.
1: And I think it's the, it's kind of the message, the message uh, message. I can't believe I got a <laughs> message from Roger Corman. Um, Answer it. It's, I know. Right. Um, the thing that I got from this was Frankenstein goes this whole way to destroy the governor and destroy the government, you know, destroy what he hates and why he's doing this race and this sort of thing. And then he literally within that time becomes what he hated. As like, the woman, yeah, yeah. I see, I see that where it's like the doc. I mean, the doctor who song, it's like the who song, you know, here comes the old boss. Same as here comes a new boss. Same as the old boss. Mm-hmm.
2: Though it does seem like he's breaking the cycle. I also thought it was cool that they worked in an explanation for that ridiculous mask and costume in that there he was one of God knows how many people to wear the Frankenstein costume who are all wards
1: of the state who were trained from birth to do this. Right. And the when when they mentioned the hand grenade, everybody (laughs) drinks. (laughs) That was (laughs) Here is a, a grenade built into my hand. What is it? Of course, it's a hand grenade. Why <laughs> <is> gonna... not?
0: <laughs> and can she, we can we try and help me understand why Joe Verturbo's uh, it... car had machine guns on it, but they didn't actually fire?
2: Well, because it was made out of plywood and had to be pushed down a hill. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it was a little disappointing because he had the giant, you know, uh, silver spray painted, you know, bayonet on the front or whatever. But the guns just were there for show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was. It was. It made me sad. And how many of us, if we were kids, would have loved to have that Hot Wheel of any of these cars?
1: Oh hell yeah! That they did were, seem like it was part of the, uh, like they're designed by a twelve-year-old. <laughs> yes. Look
2: at the cars in Wacky Racers. I'm not kidding. This very, very similar. I wonder when was Wacky Races?
0: It would have been around the same time. I want to say it was eighty, seventy-eight, eighty, somewhere there. S- nineteen
2: sixty-eight to nineteen seventy. Oh, I was way off. So it was like before. That. So I wonder if uh, they took some inspiration from Wacky Races.
1: Oh, I can. The help. very
2: colorful characters who are big caricatures.
1: Yeah. No, I can completely, completely agree with you on that one. So have we milked this alligator as much as we're going
2: Two? yeah i think so i mean you've uh I, it was interesting I, since i'm gonna draw a point of comparison when we talk about i do want to mention the broad stereotypes in those characters you had nero the hero who was vaguely greco-roman themed mm-hmm. and then you've got uh of course uh matilda the hun who's got this whole nazi thing going on which would not not play now You've got Calamity Jane in her bull car, just this vague stereotypical Texan. and then you've got the Chicago gangster machine gun Viterbo. And it's interesting because Frankenstein is the least caricature of all of them.
1: yeah, he's just a gimp.
2: yeah he's he's just this guy. he's he's Frankenstein because he's been in so many crashes that they keep replacing parts of him
1: mm-hmm. so that's
2: that's pretty much all I had left to say that we hadn't covered
1: all right All right cool so let's uh take a quick break and we will be back in a little bit to talk about death race
3: 2015
1: (laughs) all right we are back and we are Going to talk about Death Race 2050.
2: We could have watched the Death Race with Jason
0: Statham. That's all I'm saying.
1: And it could, it had Jason Statham in it. That was a uh, a step in the right direction. Either it, way, um, it,
0: it, that one's not bad. But and it is Roger Corman produced in a way. But this one makes is, more sense.
1: I question your use of the word sense. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so Death Race 2050. Uh, in the year 2050, the planet has become overpopulated to help control population. The government develops a death race. Annually, competitors race across the country, scoring points for killing people with their vehicles. Okay. That is the only comment that is on their IMDb page.
0: Which, incidentally, I would like to point out, Netflix, you suck. Just for the one reason that they're... Description of the movie was misleading because their description says in this dystopian sequel kills equal points in a violently gory annual cross country race sponsored by the United Corporations of America.
1: Because and I said this before is because whoever wrote that never expected anybody to actually go to the Death Race twenty fifty page. <laughs> <laughs> They're like this movie definitely is an afterthought, <laughs> right? This movie is shit. There is no reason to come to this page to talk about this movie. I don't understand why anybody would. But now it's on my Google search uh, history. Thank you very much.
2: (laughs) Okay. I'm not going to be kind to this film. However, I can say this is not the worst movie with death and race in the title that I've ever seen. Death Racers with the Insane Clown Posse was quite a bit worse than this.
0: You've actually watched that?
2: It was uh, a movie we watched three-quarters of for Bad Movie Night and had to turn it off.
1: I I know for a fact that if Joel says to you, I can't believe you watched that, that that speaks volumes right there.
2: It's on the very short list of films that we started for Bad Movie Night and did not finish.
0: Okay. I mean, Wait. could have been worse. Yeah. It could have been Big Money Hustlers,
1: the other Ray. insane Crown Posse movie. Oh, my God. Two thousand. Okay. The, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah
2: it's however bad you think it is it's worse but let's get into
1: this one i guess
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so let's not talk about the insane clown posse so no. this is directed by gj who is known for being the Nighthawks clerk in a movie called hard candy which is a remake of lolita oh okay
2: oh. i actually know that one
1: uh, and apparently directed Rene Russo and Oliver Platt in a movie called Frank and Cindy,
3: hmm.
1: which is confusing, um, which G.J. Eichenkamp tells the story of, a little, of the relationship with his parents, Cindy and Frank.
0: Hmm. It's 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 interesting. There's a documentary that you can watch that uh, kind no, of there isn't. coincides with it. That's about <laughs> nope. the, the actual couple. Nope. I've seen them both.
1: No, of course you have. I'm not watching that.
2: <laughs> it's something you can watch. It's maybe not something you should watch.
1: Exactly. It's, it's like I bad. could do crack, but I'm not going to. Um, so this is the writers of this movie are, believe it or not, G.J. Akrenkamp and Matt Yamashita, who is known for Sharktopus versus Terracuda. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Name? <laughs> Things are coming into focus. Uh, Art School of Horrors, (laughs) Uh, and something, a TV show called BPM, Beats Per Minute, and it's MNET, came out in 2012, and something, a short called Captain Fork. Captain Fork? Captain Fork. What's that about?
2: Never mind, I don't want to know. Yeah,
1: that's a rabbit hole I don't want to go. I'm (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going down, but yet here I am. Lyle has tried his best to be like his son, but for after four years, they've grown apart, and little things really, the way the boy dresses, the cute faces he makes in the bath. What? And what type of preschooler watches Fox News? What? Could I be at a... I don't know what the hell this is talking about. All right, so apparently this is done by a bunch of psychopaths. Um, The stars, Manu Bennett as Frankenstein.
0: Who's the name? Yeah, he's been in stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah, oh yeah. No, no, no. He's been in The Hobbit and he's been in 30 Days of Night and he's been in Spartacus. Yeah, and he's Death Stroke on Arrow. That's where I would know him from. Oh, that's right. Okay, that's cool. I'll give him that. I mean, and honestly for being like the the headliner of this one, oh, he's also I can't. All right. I'm going to have a guilty pronunciation here. He I recognize him as playing Alana in the Shinara Chronicles. Sure. Yeah. So, cuz I watched that
0: and he did the best with what he had.
1: Yeah. I mean, and he was good. He was all in um, a very confusing Malcolm McDowell as the chairman.
2: Yeah. He, th- his portrayal was somewhere between the dude with all the question marks on his vest from the infomercial and <laughs> like a twisted reflection of uh, any number of politicians.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he was like, and, and this is the thing. I actually have this in my notes. Where is it? That everybody in this movie is a ex, extract of a stereotype. So you take a stereotype and then you dilute it. I mean, not dilute it, but extract yeah, the concentrated. Yeah, it's a he, everybody in this movie is a concentrated stereotype. So, um, Grant, have you, you I'm, a, I'm going to assume, you know, Malcolm McDowell.
3: I I do. Um, if okay. I remember correctly, I I do.
0: Clockwork I, Orange. Let
3: me let me refresh my memory. Let me let me jog my mind here because I I think I. Oh, he's in um, a Clockwork Orange.
1: Yep. Yes. Yeah, I I know who he is. Yeah, yeah. and Alex. yeah, and he's been in yes, all. I mean, he's been in Apocalypse. He's been in video games. He was a voice in the Elder Scrolls. He has done everything from. Five star amazing movies to believe it or not, the high fructose adventures of the annoying orange. He
0: was also in <laughs> Caligula. Oh, yes.
1: hell, Caligula!
0: He's a so, favorite of Rob Zombie, also.
2: Some of these actors where they've got this great reputation, great catalog, you're like, How did they get this person for this project? Malcolm McDowell, you're like, Eh, I could see it.
1: Yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking at his. I mean, you hear Malcolm McDowell. Oh, Malcolm McDowell. Okay. Okay. He did Br- Baron Von Goulish in the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Yeah, what he was the hell? a tank girl.
0: He's, he's kind of one of the, he's like the Steve Buscemi shotgun actor. He, or Danny Trejo. If he's offered a role and it's money, he'll do it.
1: And you know what? Good for him. hmm Seriously. Malcolm McDowell, I salute you. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but not with my hand. Um, so anyway, Marcy Miller plays Annie Sullivan. Uh, She is known for such movies as Rebellion, a Star Wars story, which is coming up in 2016 at the end of this year. Yeah. hmm? What's that? This is
2: 2017. Is it?
1: (laughs) Again, I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Alcohol. It's a hell of a drug. All right. So um, Uh,
2: yeah, Rebellion was a short.
1: Yeah. Okay. So she's she's out already. Yeah. Yeah. She's getting into the Star Wars thing. So good for her. That's cool. And then we've got where to go. Uh, Bert Grinstead as Jed Perfectus and all of his moles. Um, the guy seriously, he looked like a Morse code uh, writing. Now that you say it, yeah, I,
3: I guess I just ignored it, but uh, he did have some moles. Yeah, yeah I'd never he, seen this guy before this. No, neither.
1: He's in the TV series Colony, which I I don't know if anybody's watched this. It's kind of what um. Oh, the thief from uh, Lost. What's his name? Uh, Josh Holloway. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sawyer. Sawyer. Yeah, Sawyer from Lost. He went and he did this afterwards. And it's kind of like that dystopian government runs everything type Mm. TV show. And it's actually not that bad. So uh, before Death Race 2050, he did such things as Go Go Boy Interrupted, which was actually a TV show.
2: I'm going to bail you out, Mike, because I think you're going through Burt Grinstead's career, just so you don't have to say the name Falake
1: Oluwofakeu. Are you sure? Because he also was in a TV show <laughs> called... He was in a TV show called Dro- Dropping the Soap. What the hell?
2: You're telling me you weren't trying to avoid saying Falake
0: <laughs> Oluwofakeu. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Burt Paxton,
0: private detective. <laughs> Drive, drive, drive! Kill, did, kill, kill! Who
1: does a show called "Dropping the Soap"? What the hell? He did. Right. He did. He did. It's behind the scenes of a failing soap opera. The cast and crew tried desperately to hold it together. All right, that was not what I thought that show was about.
0: I thought it was thought something on did. HBO. <laughs> yeah,
1: I thought it was like "Black is a New Orange." Does not do a show like that. Is Falake Olawole <laughs> Yeku as Minerva Jefferson. <laughs> thank you josh um no <laughs> so uh, uh 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 full lake flakes um is best known currently for being in Westworld and for being in modern family mm-hmm. yes uh currently will be in has been in the tv show uh show transparent and is in 2017's armed post-production movie right now so yeah,
2: I'm looking forward to seeing more from her. There's, there's a lot of uh, actors of Nigerian descent who are finally getting some work.
1: Dude, mm-hmm. Armed is written and directed by Mario Van Peebles. Huh. Neat. Huh. I guess. Uh, Arnessa that's Ramsey. That's not a mark of quality. I, I didn't say it was quality. I just said it was neat. <laughs> yeah, that was, that's my, huh. Yeah. Huh. Uh, Anessa Ramsey. <laughs> Who was in this as uh, Tammy, the terrorist, who is known for such classics as The Signal and playing Caroline in Footloose, which we watched for our Footloose show.
0: The Signal is awesome. If you've never seen it, by
1: the way, I have actually seen it and it is better than I expected it to be. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell?
0: (laughs) I know what's next.
1: All right. Here we go. Go ahead, Joel. I know you want to say it out loud. Yancy Butler. As Alexis Hamilton. Joel, go ahead.
0: Oh, Yancy Butler. Hard target. Witchblade. Kick ass one and two. Fell on hard times, but is making a comeback. And oh how I love her for some
1: unknown reason. <laughs> I think it's her jawline.
0: I don't know why, but I just have a thing for Yancy Butler. Have you ever seen Hard Target? Yes. She 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 was
1: No, I'm not saying she's not, but <laughs> <laughs> i don't I don't know where to go from here, so let's go to Charlie Farrell, who is not related to William Farrell. He plays JB and is known for such amazing things as besides Death Race 2050 as here we go, I was a teenage wear skunk okay. <laughs> that was a thing I I don't know where to go from there. I feel like I drove down a verbal dead end right there. Uh, Shannon Olson as Grace tickle.
3: I want to say that that character was my favorite by far, actually. Was the Grace Tickle character because she was the sideline reporter, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was oh. the
2: update of uh, Grace Vander. I, I loved it so
3: much. I don't
1: know why, but I like it was gold. I, maybe it's just me. Oh, no, no, no. And, and and did you notice how she did so many nods to the original? That's the thing yeah. about this one, it's, there's so many nods, like as my best friend. You know, my BFF. Yeah. You know, yep, no, she, she played it perfectly compared to. Yeah. I, that, I, I, yeah. I loved it.
0: Yeah. And she was doing the Ruby Rod thing with her with her uh, microphone. I wanted mm-hmm. to punch her in the throat, though. I did <laughs> I hated that character. I hated her so much.
1: All right. And then ready for this? The Abe, the uh, automatronic dildo car, was voiced <laughs> by D.C. Douglas. Who is D.C. Douglas? He does the voice of Albert Wesker in Resident Evil Five. Okay, so lots of voiceovers, bold and beautiful. He plays Doctor Whitman. Um, he has he's on the regular show. He plays like three or four different characters on the regular oh, show. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. He is Z Nation? Have you guys watched Z Nation? Mm-mm. Nah. It's actually pretty cool. It's uh, another TV show spinoff that has a uh, lost character in it.
0: It's so. it's in my on my short list of TV shows I need to watch. I've heard really good things about it.
1: Yeah, it's really good. Actually, it's got, uh, Michael, the, uh, the guy who, with the lost son and dog in lost, he went on to this. So in Z nation, this guy plays a character named Pa kettle, which is awesome. So, uh, I like it anyway. We're going down the list. We last one is I put him in here because I thought he was fantastic. Sebastian Losa as Steve or otherwise known as the VR guy. (laughs)
3: <laughs>
1: brilliant performance oh yeah the guy who would show up in the, in the seat next to him and was wearing the goggles the whole time this is his only movie credit and sebastian thumbs up to you sir
2: if there were <laughs> moments in this movie as much as i disliked it that were brilliant and many of them had steve in them
1: i i actually have that in my notes where to go vr guy is the best thing in this movie he's pretty sturdy
2: Uh, My other favorite part, I I was going to talk about it later, but I see it's already in the trivia. It's our second trivia item.
1: All right. Now, here's the thing. I also like to attribute the quality of a movie to the quality of its trivia on IMDb. In this notion, I have posted every single thing that is in the trivia. Brutal. (laughs) Ready for this? Number one trivia for Death Race 2050. This is the sequel or soft reboot to Death Race 2000. Soft reboot. Okay. Uh, This movie features a scene in which Annie and Minerva have a conversation in the Bechadel bar about the death race and Minerva's background. However, this scene ironically fails to pass the Bechdel-Wall's test since the two characters talk about men, specifically about Frankenstein and Annie and Minerva's respective fathers.
2: I noticed uh, the Bechdel sign as soon as they went in, and I got to say... Most of the stereotypes in this movie had me cringing super hard, especially Minerva Jefferson. And of the few moments of what I thought were actually decent parts of this movie, that scene was one of them because it totally flipped the script on me.
1: It, that I was interesting because it was actually a poignant movie, a poignant mo- uh, moment in basically a bucket of crap. I'm just speaking from the hip here.
2: I'm I'm with you. I mean, uh, have we learned nothing from judge dread? If you have a character that is known for wearing a mask or a helmet, you don't take the fucking thing off
0: for 80% of the movie. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. At least in the first one, Carradine put it back on several times before just getting rid of it.
1: Yeah. That tripped me up. Now, um, here's some more trivia. (laughs) The harpoon gun that perfectus attacks Frankenstein with after checkpoint two, is a Nerf CS-18 Alpha Trooper with a six-dart clip instead of the standard 18-dart drum. I knew it.
0: When I looked at it, I'm like, that's a Nerf gun. And (laughs) I couldn't prove it, but
1: now you've proved it. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is the trivia. (laughs) Frank (laughs) Frankenstein's gloves are made by Rothko, tactical supplier of gloves. (laughs) And Jed Perfectus? wears white Converse all-star high-top sneakers, also known as Chucks. Hmm. That wow. is the entirety of the trivia for this movie. Mm-mm. That's... Uh, I don't.
0: Oh, they're called Chucks. Yeah. Oh. Not like I don't have a pair on right now. Do you? <laughs> I do. But anyway. When
2: we were watching the social satire for this movie, all I could think is Wally did it better they were making some of the same points uh, that they made in the with the humans and Wally, but this is a movie that made Ed *Idiocracy* look like a documentary. Well,
1: you know then, what? For a brief moment, I wasn't sure who Wally was, but now I'm with you on this one, so we're good.
0: Well, and *Idiocracy* was so far over the edge with its satire that it it made perfect sense and it was brilliant in that regard. This was so far over the top; it was just kept going and fell down a pit
2: yeah i, I mean uh, there were things about it i liked. the whole introduction of the ai vr element with all the people with the glasses looking through a passenger i was like okay this is a modern take on it but like the caricatures they had for the various characters for me were too over the top f- to be relatable they all fell flat especially that uh, self-driving car that's a big vibrator for its creator
1: mm-hmm. i don't know what the fuck that was And the suicide mode. Yeah. And all that. Uh, Yeah. I'm I'm sorry. I'm typing. I'm actually friending Sebastian Lois on Facebook right now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It just, it it struck me as this was a movie that tried too hard for like 80% of it. And it was such a shame because it was, it could have been good.
1: It could have been, but it's like everybody, uh, you're right. They tried it incredibly hard for the entire thing the, i don't understand this but the effects were actually worse in this than they were in the 2000 in the uh 1975 version
2: all right mike and i have been tearing this to bits i want to hear from uh joel and
3: grant i do i want to give it some credit and say that i did think the humor was pretty sharp i i only made it halfway through before having to having to call with you guys but i made it halfway through and i thought it did have like some high points, I mean albeit most of it being low, but I thought it was eh it tried at some points i don't know it, it it was
0: definitely a i think soft reboot is the appropriate term here because it it's it didn't just borrow heavily from the original it straight up just shot for shot in a lot of cases, it took the original and it, it the stereotypes you're correct were i don't know. Way over the top, but I I think they were going for a modern take on the story and trying to make it relevant, but it it just it just fell really flat. And if you compare it to the the big budget remake that they did with Jason Statham, there they made it made more sense in terms of they had prisoners who fought in this death race that was televised, and that was their way of kind of earning points to get back you know some of their sentence revoked by you know going this death race and if somebody died it didn't matter because they were hardened criminals who cares Mm -hmm. so it made more sense and it was a lot more gritty and and uh, the the storyline was more cohesive here it was just like we're going to take the original we're going to try and make it something that makes sense now and they just went way too far overboard
2: yeah i kind of felt some of the characters we're almost like they're written by a super edgy high school senior that thinks he's got some really interesting shit to say about politics. And then once he gets to be 30, he's going to look back at his notebooks and go, Holy shit. I had my head up my ass.
1: Yep. If I want to watch a movie like this, I'm going to watch gamer, you know, where they're controlling the actual, the, they're everybody at home is controlling the FPS characters. They're actually people out on the streets trying to fight for their life type of thing with, with, who was in that one, Joel?
0: I'm trying to think of his name all of a sudden.
1: Oh, crap. Uh, Gerard Butler. Thank you. I couldn't gamer, call his name. 2009's Gerard, Gerard Butler's gamer. I mean, this is, that is so much better a, a statement than, than this is. And you're right, Josh. It's like everybody in this movie is like a, an extract of a stereotype.
0: Well, look at um, uh, the United Corporations of America. I get what you're going for, but, I mean, it, it is. It's something you would see on a high school yeah. notebook.
3: It's like right. nothing further than that. <laughs> doesn't
1: exactly. mean anything. And, and then the president is, like, sitting there, and there's girls behind them with their tits out for absolutely no reason. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I
2: I don't know. When I look at some of these films, I have to say, okay, are you saying something important? Are you saying something new? Are you saying it in an interesting and unique way? And is the film itself well made? And I can uh, have a film that fails on one or maybe even two of these. But for me, this, aside from individual moments where I was like, okay, that was pretty clever. Like I was rolling at the uh, names of the various
3: renamed states. I thought a lot of those were those really funny. That's definitely where I found my high points was the names. Um, Honestly, but there's yeah. one of like Walmart America or Walmart, uh,
1: Walmartica or something like that. Right. Right. Honestly, I was all about Schittsville is actually Baltimore. <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> but like this film for me failed to fire on all four of those cylinders. And where the original was succeeded in some ways as an exploitation racing film and political satire this did both of those elements way worse than the original and it didn't even have the we've never seen this before so you you get bonus points going for it
1: Mm -hmm. yeah that's fair yeah and I think you're completely right on the this is a movie that was made by 17 year olds in high school trying to be edgy so I mm, all
0: right well I mean we, we we watch a lot of remakes and redos and reboots and reimaginings and that's uh, the big bread and butter of the show. And uh, usually we can find a reason why they did it, or we can find something in it that made it its own film. But here, uh, you know, the, the, the first take on it with the two sequels made more sense and, and was logical. This just felt like we got s- nothing to do. So let's just uh, make a movie. <laughs> it just, there was nothing to it that really <laughs> had any value to it other than maybe, like I said, the names of the various States and a couple of scenes here and there.
1: That's why. Hey, what are you doing this weekend? I don't know. You want to make a movie? Dude, I got this notebook full of great ideas.
2: (laughs) Some of the message they were even trying to put forward made me intensely uncomfortable. When they're talking about how people are doing nothing but popping out a bunch of children and then show a stadium full of brown people, I was like, holy shit, dude, do you even realize what you're saying? Maybe you do, and that's fucking horrifying. And then you transition from that message directly into the problem with this country is people need to get jobs. All of a sudden, I'm like, fuck it, I'm out.
1: Yeah. I mean, I checked out pretty early on this one. Um it Tammy the Terrorist. All right, she's a, you know, a radical like a uh, uh, fundamentalist Christian. And you know,
2: most of her even Christian fundamentalism is by way of Ricky Bobby. Mm-hmm. Like she's constantly quoting uh, uh like 80s and 90s uh, actors and car- pop culture references.
1: Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it was it this this was a movie that tried so hard to be edgy, it slit its own throat.
0: Yeah, it, it's like I when I was commenting in the chat when I was watching it about how it felt like, it it felt like it was part trauma movie, and I think you said Mike that uh, <laughs> it made trauma look like Shakespeare or something like that. Because and you're right,
1: it does because trauma knows what he's doing. The trauma films when James Gunn was working for trauma, he was he was making a movie and he knew that this movie was shit. I mean, and that was the thing, is that he knew this movie was shit, and he embraced it and said, hey, I'm doing Tromeo and Juliet, and it's going to be terrible, but I am 100% in, and it's going to be terrible because I want it to be terrible. These guys are doing this movie, and it seems like they're like trying to push this edgy 13-year-old, I'm-against-the-authority type attitude on everybody, and it just comes off as overblown, arrogant, and just not fun i mean that's the one thing it's like the original movie while not awesome it was still a lot of fun to watch
2: yeah i could say that even though the satire was slap you in the face i didn't feel like i was being preached at with the original Mm -hmm. and i did kind of feel that with the
0: sequel
3: or the remake absolutely
0: yeah Uh, just as soon as i saw uh, malcolm mcdowell as the president i'm like oh boy okay here here we go here we go (laughs) it's kept going from there
1: Oh my God. Malcolm McDowell is in this. This is going to be shit. And who says that (laughs) it's like Malcolm McDowell, you know? All right.
0: The best part was Manu Bennett. I mean, he, he embraced that character and played it to the hilt. And every time he was on the screen, I cared about what was going on. But as soon as he was gone, I'm like, okay, really? We're back to this now.
1: All right. All right. I will say this though. The (laughs) first half of the movie, Frankenstein was a whiny bitch. He was. And it made me mad. Yeah, isn't it right? Because you're like, dude, you're Frankenstein. Why are you? Be- Why are you being such a bitch about this? You have won four of these, exactly. And I just thought it was,
3: I was like cringing at it. Like, it's not. I'm, I don't think it's my Benet, but Just the character itself, right? Okay. And that's so stereotypical.
1: And how about the how about the whole? You know what you need to do is ask open ended questions in your interviews. What <laughs> the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Where did that come from? Right, <laughs> totally out of left field.
0: Okay. Quick thing. When I read the, the Netflix synopsis, I was, when it first started, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, how are they going to create a sequel to the original film? Because at the end, Carradine uh, topples the government and becomes the government himself. Mm-hmm. Okay. So where are we going to go? Okay. It's 2050. So it's 50 years later. And I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe they've reinstated the, the death race. And you know they're going to tie in Frankenstein's character somehow, and he's now uh, reinstated it because <clears throat> uh, you know populations out of control again or whatever. And it, it, if they would have gone that route, it would have made a lot more sense instead of doing what they did. Because I, it, up until like the first fifteen minutes had rolled by, I'm like, okay, this isn't a sequel. This is a remake, mm-hmm. and I felt kind of disenchanted mm-hmm. because it could it could have done something if you took it fifty years in the future and. Explained why they reinstated the whole death race again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But they didn't. Yeah.
1: And that's that's the thing is that it's like you've got these super over over extended stereotypes of the characters. You don't really have a focus outside of being in your face. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. And the other thing, I just want to toss this out here. What the hell with the corn ninjas? I mean, first off, corn ninjas, and second of all, why do corn ninjas have have lightsabers? <laughs> uh, yeah, I have no
2: answer for you. It's, the, it's the not that
1: notebook. It's that notebook. Yeah, <laughs> and and the and the last thing, uh, the only question I have, I have yet to figure out what the hell the answer is. But at the very end, where uh, the perfect guy is attacking Frankenstein from car to car, where the hell did the chicken come from? I don't know.
0: And if this would have been a trauma film when there were corn ninjas, they would have either a been out made out of corn or B would have had corn nunchucks. Right. It would have been much better.
1: And it would have made sense. I would have bought that. That's the worst thing in the world is that corn ninjas with nunchucks made out of corn I would have been like, I'm in this. I'm like, why do they have lightsabers? Why is anything happening? Why is she running away? I, I am confused by this entire movie. Ro- I mean, Roger Corman should be shamed for the fact that he has his, his name on this. But I bet he made money on it. And yep, good I, for him. Sure I mean, is. we've been over this.
0: And, and why weren't the, why was the Corn Ninja doing B-Boy moves? I don't <laughs> If he was made of corn doing B-Boy moves, I would have bought it.
1: What does that say about us?
2: We're brilliant. <laughs> I don't think that's what that says.
1: But I'll go with it.
2: All right. So I, I think it's pretty obvious, but let's go for the quick thumbs up, thumbs
1: down. All right. So I'm, I'm Grant. I'm going to leave you for the end on this one. Okay. Okay. So Joel, thumbs up, thumbs down, an original and the new one.
0: The original, I'm going to give it three quarters thumbs up because I wasn't 100% in, but I I got it and I enjoyed it for what it was. The remake, thumbs down, except for Manu Bennett. I'm sorry, sir.
1: All right, Josh, what do you think, man? Yeah, I'm, I'm with
2: Joel. I'm, uh, although I'm a little more enthusiastic about my thumbs up because I appreciate its origin of a genre that I like. And it surprised me. My expectations were low and they were way blown away. And uh, my thumb is way down, although uh, you got Manu Bennett, you got Steve, pa- played by Sebastian Losa, and I got to give props to the Bechdel bar scene. Uh, but beyond that and the concept of the uh, v- uh, VR goggles where people could actually like watch the race, it, it, those I've just described everything, every redeeming quality about the whole movie. Yep.
1: Uh, I am going to give you a thumbs up on the uh, Death Race 2000 because it it, def- it basically defined a genre. It it created a genre and defined a genre and everybody took that one, like you said, all the way to the Hunger Games to um, uh, lost the name of the Schwarzenegger one running man, the running man and that whole thing. I, uh, you know, I'm like, awesome. You weren't amazing, but you were entertaining and you were a lot of fun to watch. Mm -hmm. And for me, that is that's 80 percent of it right there. Am I having fun watching your movie? Yes. Awesome. Then you're getting to me. Uh, for the new one, Josh, I'm with you. Okay, the Bechido Bar, cool. That was kind of a neat idea. The uh, You know, you had like three gems that you could have ran with in this movie, and instead you got you, you used the same fake intestine prop 16 times in the movie. <laughs> they got a lot of mileage out of that fake intestine prop. I mean, I'm telling you right now. Now, Grant... How about you, man? So
3: definitely a thumbs up on my first endeavor into that genre with the first movie. Um, I definitely need to watch it again and actually probably just not take it so seriously, but like probably watch it with friends as well. I think it'd be a really good movie for that. Second uh, movie, the 2050, absolutely not. Thumbs down. Uh, Just just spend your time watching something better.
0: (laughs) Oh, I do have one other thing to say about the new one yancy Butler, I love you.
3: <laughs> oh,
2: yancy she, she was kind of the Amelia Clark of her time. She had those eyebrows going.
1: She does. Is it wrong to say that I'm sexually attracted to Amelia Clark's eyebrows but not anything else? Uh, <laughs> no,
0: cuz she's got nice boobies.
1: I don't want to hear about the boobies. I just want to talk about the eyebrows. <laughs>
2: All right. Maybe this is not the best time for it, but if you'd like to give us a call, you can always do that at 708-NOW-WRAP. That's 708-669-9727. Right.
1: What? Oh, no. Go ahead. Okay. And if you're looking for our older eyebrows, they're on uh, <laughs> iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, Noon FM, and a bunch of others podcast networks out there in the pod universe. Joel, what do we got for next week?
0: We've got a secret co-host for you as we are delving into Freaky Friday.
1: Yes, Freaky Friday. We are looking at the original and we are looking at the new. Um, unfortunately, I have forgotten everybody who has starred in those movies.
2: Uh, wasn't Jamie Lee Curtis in one of them?
1: That is a name that I recognize.
0: <laughs> are we talking about Lindsay Lohan?
1: <laughs> yes, we are. All right. Hey, Grant, what is it that you do? I mean, besides being Can a Can you student, say that one more time? More time grant what is it that that you do besides being a student and all that stuff
3: yeah so um besides being a good old college student doing that good old college thing um I'm actually an intern over at anchor so that's why I'm uh talking about them so much but yeah I, I do an internship with them still working with them and uh, it's been really fun and I can't recommend like just checking out the the app enough it's it's really fun to use
1: yeah. And I, I need to get on there more often than I do. I really do. Um, it seems like a great app. For if you're looking to make a quick and short podcast or something that you know, just have an idea for something, but you don't have the full on equipment and ready to go with it. You can actually create your own podcast and get on the web and broadcast your thoughts and feelings and you know what you what you think about Death Race 2000 to the Plus, world. Exactly. <laughs> They've got good
0: taste in shows. They interviewed us.
1: Yeah, I know, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, Grant, I want to thank you very much for being on this show. Um, I apologize for making you watch uh, Death Race 2050.
3: <laughs> no, 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 no. I, thank you for bringing me on and, uh, and definitely making me watch a
1: movie that I don't think I ever would have ran across otherwise. I, I really enjoyed it. Seriously. And I hope you get together, get together with your buddies and make them watch uh, Death Race 2000. Dude, I will, no. and I will
3: Yeah, not twenty fifty. <laughs> yeah.
1: Specifically, twenty thousand or two thousand, and then
3: I'm going to assume probably not the like. I don't know if they're the fake sequels, the two and three or whatever.
0: <laughs> One, two, and three, but the Jason Statham was in the original, and then two and three were not Jason <laughs> <Yeah>. Statham. <but. laughs>
1: Anyways, yeah, yeah, I'll definitely be sure to to show them and then let you know. Fantastic. All right, guys, uh, we are signing off for the night. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, And uh, we will talk to you next week. Thank you.
2: Well, at least it didn't have Shaggy too dope.
0: (laughs) Oh,
1: Yancy. An homage to Nazis. (laughs)
3: <laughs> no, I was saying i I saw at the beginning of two thousand I saw the Nazi uh flag or the swastika, I guess, and uh I was wondering what kind of movie I was watching, but then uh got figured
1: out. with the lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.